Okay, so Mike. So David, here we are <clears throat> doing our third podcast now, I guess. Yes, it is. And I need some help. All right. Hit me. I play my army against gun lines every weekend and I get annihilated. All right. <clears throat> well, so gun lines are exceedingly popular, as I'm sure you and all of our listeners are uh, very aware of. And so they actually there are a number of topics, well, I guess tactics you can employ to uh, take care of those. Though the biggest one is, of course, being able to close quickly and just not letting them shoot you. Uh, even if they do fall back, unless they can fly, which most armies can't, at least not for their entire army, that prevents them from shooting. And, of course, if they're falling back, that means they are, of course, giving up the initiative to you, which is good for objective-based games. <clears throat> so, really, the um, objective there is to tie up as many of their units as possible, which Thousand Sons do have several very good tactics for that, um, which I'm sure you are aware of. The, uh, well, does that does that mean I just need to bring like a bunch of Zangors or, um, you know, I, I kind of think, well, what if I just counter them and just get a bunch of Dreadnoughts or I get some Predators in my backfield? Is that going to be good enough? So having, <clears throat> so the main thing about Gunline is that if you try to, I guess, play their game, as Thousand Suns especially, you're going to lose. They just, Thousand Suns aren't really specialized at that type of warfare um, because of the range of most of our guns and sort of how the army plays overall. We're actually more of a mid-range army, if not even close range, because bolters are, of course, more effective at the mid-ranges. Um, and so you don't necessarily have to bring just swarms of Zangors because the problem is that they'll, unless you're fighting characters, they'll never kill anything. Um, but Zangors are actually, I would say, a very critical part of the, the strategy I would employ if that's the types of list I'm fighting. Particularly a 30, even two 30-man blobs of Zangors, Dark Matter Crystal 1 and then Warp Time the other up the table. That means that turn 1, you have something in their face. Turn 2, you have another 30-man block in their face. And at turn 2, most of your stuff should be able to at least start applying damage and taking objectives. It's really... <clears throat> Especially against most armies, turn three, you can sort of expect pollen damage, but against the Unlands in particular, get, being able to apply damage to them and sort of prevent them from playing the game they want to play very, as early as possible is incredibly important. And so, <clears throat> that being the case, uh, there are certain things you can do. Uh, though, if we're talking about uh, writing a list, which I believe is the sort of the drive yeah. for today. <clears throat> the uh, first thing I would start with is, of course, identifying uh, the unit that you really want to use, sort of focus your list on. In this case, uh, Zangors being a particularly good unit as both a scoring troop and the good and close combat, plus they're fairly tough for their points, and you can bring tons of them. And so really identify stratagems that can, are useful for that unit in particular, and then identify other stratagems that are useful in the army in general, and then using that as sort of your framework to build the list. So um, you're obviously talking about like cycle of slaughter where I can swing twice with them. Mm -hmm. um, but if I'm 
if I'm getting them into combat, that's going to be more important against maybe something like a screen that I might, might have not been able to get through 100% or um, yeah. having the ability to, you know, maybe get through that first unit and then pile into the second unit with my consolidation mm -hmm. type ammo. So <clears throat> stratagems in particular that are important for Zengors are, of course, um, Veterans of the Long War is easily the most important stratagem in any of the Chaos Space Frame codexes. Plus one to wound is, for a single command point, is honestly overpowered, for, in my opinion, because of how much 16% chance to inflict more damage is amazing. There's probably um, a lot of players that would, would say that's nonsense. Well, those players would be wrong. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> the thing is, like, so there, my army, uh, the Renegade Space Green Army, can't use veterans, and it, you feel it. Uh, there are plenty of times when they've been able to wound up, wound on fives and not wounded on fours. That's a huge swing. Um, but other stratagems that are important for Zengor's webway infiltration is excellent. Uh, yeah. One man point to put a 30 Zengor's in reserve is pretty awesome. Let's see. We got so. So, would I ever want to put two units in reserve there? Frankly, no. I would not put two units in reserve with that. Um, the, the reason being is that, <clears throat> especially because you're wanting to close the gap early, um, the having uh, one unit in reserve uh, isn't a huge points like points investment. But uh, the idea, the thing is, turn one, you don't have those units available. And so that means your other unit's going to take that much more fire, which can swing it. Uh, it depends on the army, but generally speaking, a single unit in webway infiltration is the what I would go with, especially because of the jump in cost for the second unit. Um, <clears throat> it sounds like in both cases, we're talking about a list that's going to start with at least two big zangor squads yeah i would uh, maybe 30 maybe maybe not quite there we could probably talk a little bit about yeah the size of that is needed but it definitely sounds like i at least want to take a brayhorn because mm -hmm. if i'm deep striking i need that plus one coming in from reserves and i yeah. need even if i'm dark matter crystalling it's the same thing mm -hmm. i'm gonna be nine inches away i need that extra plus one yeah and then of course the other stratagem that's super important for zangors is cycle of slaughter which lets you fight twice, and who doesn't like that? Um, so then, from there, so you've played Thousand Suns a lot more than I have in this edition, and so if you you, you mentioned the Brayhorn, what other if we need a third troops choice for a battalion because right. if you're not picking a battalion, just you're doing it wrong. Um, but so we need two troops choices, uh, two uh, HQ choices. And so for that, yeah, I guess and I guess it's probably good to clear up that we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and design for two thousand points here because yes. we need to. That's pretty much the most common size army that's used. Um, but what you could do is take the concept itself, and you know you could start peeling back different pieces of it. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of say, okay, well, if it's gonna be fifteen hundred or a thousand points, I just kind of scale down what I've got into you know just either one detachment or um, whatever you can kind of fit from a point standpoint but as long as you have the concept put together it's easy to kind yeah. of and so really the core of list building is 
you have a core of a list. So in this case, the unit you sort of base your list around, at least if you're doing, I guess what I would call all comers play. The idea being that even though you're sort of making sure you can answer threat A, B, and C, if threat D shows up, you can still interact with it. Um, and so that that's the reason why, for instance, we're choosing to focus on Zangors here because they do counter one of the bigger weaknesses of the Thousand Suns Codex, the long range threat. <clears throat> very, very efficiently. Which is kind of not where you'd think to look first because you'd be thinking range, um, you know, long range shooting, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the Zangors with their ability to just, you know, either deep strike or dark matter crystal kind of, you're, you're defeating the range issue pretty quick there. Um, <clears throat> which is... Suffer, you know, I, well, it's, that's the, one of the th sort of things that I've discovered in the this edition is you is not every army wants to shoot so again thousand suns don't really have a ton of stellar shooting options in codex forge world has options but i think that focusing on your mid-range game and being able to tie up units that would threaten you at long range is much more viable than trying to play a game that you're not necessarily good at so for the sake of this, what we'll probably do is let's just stay within the Thousand Suns Codex of 2,000 points. And then mm -hmm. once we have our list, one of the things we could do is possibly talk about Forge World options and possibly um, Demons of Zinch uh, or yeah. demon, demon options there and just kind of look at, at like alternative um, uh, options that you can bring and what, what that looks like to the modification of the list at that point. But, um, yeah. so, so if we know we need to grab Dark Matter Crystal, um, so if we're, if we basically have two big blobs of Sangors, I'm looking at, um, with both of them with Brayhorns right away, I'm looking at 220 points for each one. So it's a good chunk that's there, but mm -hmm. in my head, I'm kind of okay with it because that's nearly 60 bodies that I just put on the table. And in most games that I've encountered from a competitive standpoint, 60 is pretty good. It's a, it's a lot of bodies you got to be able to, to handle. Yeah. Um, even 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 though they're T four and they have a five up involved, they're relatively easy to kill. It's just like boys, for that matter. I mean, they're going to take a lot of shots to get through them, one way or another. Yeah. Uh, so, before we move on from the Zangors here, there's one other option here. It, it's the Icon of Flame. So the Icon of Flame is interesting, though I don't think it really is a very points efficient in this list so the the thing about it is that you only get one icon of flame per unit Correct. and so that'd be only two icons now yeah, you could do a janky list uh like with a brigade where you take six 10-man squads of zengors each with an icon of flame and just go and potentially that's effectively if you on average is one mortal wound a turn from them um which is actually not terrible all things considered, but as part of a design feature, I wouldn't necessarily make it my go-to. So we've got two big Zangor blobs. Um, the probably the next thing to think about here, just to kind of complete our concept, is who's gonna who's gonna take our dark matter crystal. So the, we actually have two things to consider. One, we have a third uh, troop slot we need to fill, which I was actually okay. as a, an idea there. And then, of course, our two uh, HQs for the brigade. Um, so I was actually thinking for the uh, tr uh, last troop slot, 
between either one or two units of five man uh, rubrics with a rhino. Uh, mostly because of a certain stratagem that Thousand Suns get that nobody else has. Nobody does anything else like it. The Warp Flame Gargoyles, which is actually pretty awesome. Um, I believe you've used it to great effect um, in yeah. numerous games. So as a um, reminder, Warp Flame Gargoyles is you basically, you get in close to something uh, or to a bunch of them with your Rhino. And um, that lets you just kind of go around to all the units within a range of it and they start taking mortal wounds. Yeah. Um, and it's not just one, it's D3 mortal wounds. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, a, a good splattering of them. Um, so it's basically... Uh, every unit within three inches, um, but it unfortunately is also friend or foe, so it can hit your own stuff. Yeah, though they're actually uh, just thinking about it now that I'm looking at it. There is a interesting choice here that I'm. We'll bring up later in the list, but something that benefits from the Warpling Gargoyles very much so, um, other than the Rhino, of course. So that's sort of what I was thinking: is two units of Rubrics and a Rhino. Even though that does give us an extra troops choice, lets us split out and take objectives. And so with the Zengors running up to sort of tie up the enemy army, the Rubrics can sit back, camp objectives, and just shoot with the new Bolter rules. And we can also put, if we take two five-man squads, we can fit both those squads inside the Rhino. Precisely. Um, so, and if I'm following you right, the Rhino's doing a couple things for us. One is it's lowering the number of drops that we're going to have. Yes, uh, which which means it gives us an advantage or works us a little bit more towards going first, mm-hmm. um, and it also gives our rubric marines protection because early on in the game there's there's a much more um, higher volume of damage high damage weapons that could be headed their way. They really kind of just ignore stuff almost like terminators, um, like one damage weapons. So if we have the ability to kind of get in and and target those higher damage items, then you're kind of sitting there with those guys ready to just walk around the board almost unopposed if I'm following. Yes, that's sort of what I was thinking there. So do we load them up with just bolters or do we consider a flamer in there? So a single flamer and then uh, is excellent for discouraging charges. And then, um, actually, because we have the Flamer, the Soul Reaper Cannon actually becomes valuable again because, actually, you can't take them in five-man squads in for a thousand tons, can you? Unfortunately. That's just disappointing. Can. Oh, well. Come yeah, on, I, GW. I know. It's, it's <laughs> awful. Well, see, Abaddon stole all the good ones, and so now we just have the yeah. ten-man ones. Yeah. Anyways, oh, um, so, yeah, a single flamer is actually a very good choice there. Okay, so we'll we'll put a single flamer. We'll we'll take one bolter out in each squad, and we'll put a single flamer in there. And um, I take it that just sticking with the force staff on each of our sorcerers is probably the way we want to stay because it's kind of a good balance between. I get extra strength. There's some AP mm-hmm. still to the attack, but then you're doing D3 damage on it, so it's kind yeah. of a nice balance out of everything. Uh, where the force sword is nice, but you kind of having that extra, you know, that, that extra strength lets you go up against, say, you know, a, a like a T6 vehicle or a T5, yeah. um, you know, big tough dude, uh, and yeah. you're going to wound on threes. So mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty helpful when you get into combat with them. Yeah. So then that leaves us with um, our HQs for the battalion, which 
honestly, looking at it, I see two options here. We could splurge a little bit and get the uh, Exalted Sorcerers because they are just better. But uh, I actually think for the Battalion, going with two regular Sorcerers will serve us a little better. Effectively, the they're cheaper. Uh, they don't need to be stellar. Literally, their job is to sort of take up space, throw out some smites, a few buffs here and there, and carry the relics. And so, I'm thinking. So why would I? Why would I ignore just the obvious question here? I look at Thousand Suns lists all the time, and Aramon's the auto take. So, Aramon is well, frankly, amazing at what he does. Um, however. Again, I'm sort of thinking at the thing from a modular perspective. At low points values, I wouldn't consider Armon. He's a little too pricey for okay. what I have in mind. However, because we're playing the higher points values, we're about to add in other detachments, and that's when Armon can be added then to um, lead the army as a whole. All righty. So don't go anywhere yet, Armon. We might need you. Yeah, I think so. Because actually, I have an idea. Oh, no. So we've oh, got yeah. two sorcerers. Do we want to throw any kind of special equipment on them? Do we want to think about like jump packs or um, so, or any of that stuff? Because they would, actually have quite a bit you can outfit on. They do. Um, so for sorcerers, I would actually definitely give them the jump packs. The extra maneuverability is excellent for the cost. And it lets them fall back uh, much easier if they get caught out in the open. And for you following on following along at home, they can take the jump pack because it is an index option on the sorcerers that through the design commentary is allowed on these uh, on these units. So yes, just so you guys know why we're why we're saying hey, let's load on that jump pack option. Yep. And if you're ever looking for jump packs, consider the Raptor kit because the jump packs in there are the coolest. Yes, they are the best looking jump packs. Yep. Good second option is, of course, the uh, wingy jetpack from the Exalted Sorcerer kit, because that kit's amazing. And if you're playing Thousand Suns, you should buy one. Wait a second. There's a jump pack in the Exalted Sorcerer kit? It looks a lot like one. It has, like, wings and stuff. Oh, I know the one you're talking. Yeah, I guess you could kind of say, hey, this is, I guess, a, a, a jump pack. I mean, the guy's flying. And if uh, yeah. page 69 of the Codex... Is a, you can see the guy I'm talking about. <clears throat> he looks cool. All right, I'm taking your word for it so I can see this guy because this is uh, this is blowing my mind, Mike. Anyways, so we... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, all right. So, so I assume you have a running total of our points. John. Yes, we're, we're sitting at 964 points at the moment with two sorcerers both with jump packs. We have two rubric marine squads. Uh, each one is 104 points because we mm -hmm. have given uh, each one a flamer. We have a rhino uh, that clocks in at 72 points and we have two large Zangor squads, which is kind of the meat of our army here. It's at least 50% of what we've got in here. Uh, each is at 220 points. Yeah. Still got the so, 30 man squads. Yep. So currently we have a whole lot of stuff that's really good at killing infantry. And then we have our psychers, which of course are sort of good at killing whatever they want to because they're psychers and they kill things with brain magic. And so from this perspective, now what we want to try to do is sort of bring in a few things that can kill harder targets and sort of shore up any other deficiencies we might have. 
And so our next purchase, of course, will be Aramon because he is amazing. Gotcha. So do we want to just add him to our battalion that's there? Or do no, no. So the, you should really, once you have your first detachment at its bare minimum, you should try to get another detachment for the extra command points because of those stratagems that are really the their force multiplier. So you should always try to maximize at least your ability to use them to a certain extent, gotcha. at least as far as your army can utilize them. So and we're probably talking about adding another battalion? Um, actually, no. Um, so the thing I'm thinking about here is so rubric Marines are expensive uh, and Zangors and the squad sizes that I like are also expensive. And I don't like cultists in Thousand Suns. They just, they're an odd duck. Yeah. Uh, they can't use the good stratagems for them. The Thousand Suns thing doesn't really help them. And so what I was thinking is we take a look at our heavy support section. Ooh, so you're thinking spearhead here. I'm thinking a spearhead detachment. So we have Zengors, which means we want a Mutilith Vortex Beast. That is an interesting choice you just selected. So let's talk about that real quick. Why do we want to just go straight to the Vortex Beast here? So the Vortex Beast is, of course, a heavy support slot. Um, It's a big, tough target. Uh, strength 7, toughness 7, 14 wounds. Its armor save is a little iffy, but it has a 5 invulnerable save and it regenerates, which is awesome. However, the thing that really makes it just beautiful here is what it does for your Zangors. Um, or really any infantry, but the Zangors I feel benefit for the most part. So you can either get plus 1 strength, you can get plus 1 to a reroll charge distances, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Or if you're already locked in combat, uh, you fight first, even if you didn't charge, which is excellent for Zengors. That is really good. Um, they can increase the AP of your weapons, which for Zengors means they'd be AP minus two, which is as good as your bolt guns. Yeah. Uh, reducing leadership is sort of eh for this list, but it still means that if your guy, your opponents yeah. fail the leadership, they lose an extra guy. And then, of course, there's the beautiful, beautiful mortal wounds it pumps out just because... Zinch loves you. <laughs> so and on the a nice one, thing is, is this thing he take if he's taking some damage, and if I'm looking at the army where it sits right now, he's kind of a fire target, the first fire target here because it's this big mean thing that you know buffs the Zangors. Uh, you know, yeah. you pretty much if you're going second, there's not going to be much that you can do against the Zangors. Even if you're going first, you know Zangors are probably going to get to you. Uh, one yeah, way, don't we can don't. talk about deployments, but. Yeah, so there is actually more. Remember, we're taking the spearhead. We're going to have a couple more distraction carnifex this year. So the Mutilith Vortex Beast is actually fairly cheap for what it does. Yeah, it's um, 125 it, points. 125 points for everything it's got is really good um, for its cost. And then, of course, it moves eight inches. You can run it. So effectively, because it has no gun, you should always run unless you're going to assault. So you're moving between nine and 14 inches a turn, which means you're probably going to be in close combat turn two which is right where you want to be. And it blows up for a lot. Uh, in fact, if, if it yeah. dies, roll a D6 uh, before moving on a six, every unit within six inches suffers a D6 mortal wounds, which is, which is as good, about as good as when a knight blows up. Yeah, that's, that's actually just realizing that most vehicles, if they blow up, it's like D3 mortal wounds. And this, yeah. guy, this guy likes to kind of go supernova when he blows up. Yep. And so the other, well, my next 
choice for heavy supports is actually probably the single favorite unit in any of the chaos books. Um, after the year that I've had with my previous list, the defiler, the defiler. Okay. So think of the defiler, like the mutal vortex beast, meaner, shootier cousin. So it has a very similar profile. It moves eight, uh, forest hit, higher strength. So it's actually strength 16 in close combat. Uh, toughness 7, 14 wounds, a ton of attack. has four attacks, base, uh, three up save, five up invulnerable save, and it has the same regeneration uh, abilities. But what really makes the Defiler shine is on paper it's actually not a great unit because, I mean, it hits on fours. It right. has a bunch of guns, but they're all heavy. But there are three stratagems that you can use for the, the Thousand Suns book in particular. Is actually the reason why I thought to include it that make it just actually a, a grade A unit. One, you have Demon Forge, which every Chaos Army, except for uh, the poor Death Guard, I guess, which was an interesting discovery, has uh, allows a Thousand Suns Demon Vehicle, which is a Defiler is, to re-roll failed hit and wound rolls for a single phase, for a single command point, which means that it actually hits more reliably than almost any other unit in the Thousand Suns Codex if you use that stratagem. Yeah. Wounds. Even though it's still hitting on fours, re-rolling anything that's failed gets you up there. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So you have a 75% chance to hit. The uh, next stratagem that's excellent with them is the Blasphemous Machines, also once a command point, which allows you to move and shoot as if you did not move. Or if you have assault weapons, you can advance and shoot assault weapons as if you didn't move, which is also excellent. Because of how fast he is, you want to move him forward, shoot with everything, and then just continue moving. And then we get back to Warp Flame Gargoyles. So Warp Flame Gargoyles is actually something that notice doesn't only work on rhinos and rhino chassis. It works on anything that is not a Hellbrute or Helldrake. Meaning the Defiler gets up close and personal with its Scourge and its Claws and yeah. sets everyone on fire. Which so... Is- so that's a good point. So it, it comes um, out of the box. You, you have uh, some options here. So we have some combi bolter options. There's the Reefer Auto Cannon that's on there. Um, maybe what we should talk about here a little bit is kind of are there things we want to change that you know, we want to be able to select on this thing that might fit what we're doing a little bit better? Um, maybe what so, we we'll talk about the, the Auto Cannon option first. So the Auto Cannon isn't great. Uh, the main problem with the Reaper autocannon that it has is it has four shots on it, as I recall. Yeah. But the problem is it it's only damage one, unlike every other autocannon in the game. Yep. Uh, strength seven, AP one. And it's not an excellent choice. Um, it's cheaper, though, than the other two options, the Heavy Bolter and the Last Cannon. And so for now, I would say leave the Reaper autocannon alone, mostly because... The other two options aren't necessarily worth taking for the extra cost. We'll see what we, where we're at right. um, at the end of the list building. Looks like but, we could uh, we could take a, a a twin heavy bolter if we wanted to. Uh, yeah, which would be the only other option I would consider with him. Yeah, because the last cannon is going to be. I mean, you've only got two shots, and mm-hmm. you know you, you're you're basically, if you think about it, you, you're forcing yourself into having to spend two stratagems of turn on him: one for Blasphemous mach- Machines, one for Demon Forge just to use that thing um, yeah. on there. And that just seems like 
a lot of points kind of just going down the drain kind of that even yeah. with that it's probably going to fail a good amount of times yeah so the actual the purpose of this is to be threatening um so if you're in a position where you can unload everything into a target that's when you pop demon forge and you just you go mm-hmm. um however this the, what i really want it for is to be a close combat threat against larger targets um a defiler can in a single turn drop almost anything in the game if it rolls decent which it if you set it up right it's can definitely do because the other option you can do is you can take the defiler scourge which replaces your twin hobby heavy flamer but it gives you three extra attacks at strength 12 and does flat three damage which is about as good as a hell a uh, hellbrute does just base that's really good so, it so it's really, really it's really up to um, kind of the the purpose of our list at this point to kind of drive the options here. Um, and so, if we're facing gunline, it seems like yeah, maybe the scourge we hold off on here for a little bit, right? We sit with the flamer mm-hmm. um, and just kind of see if we need to either find some points or if we have some points left over, maybe we come back and reexamine this guy. Yeah, got it. So we have we basically have the defiler. Um, with the Reaper Auto Cannon and, and the Twin Heavy Flamer on it right now, we're sitting at 158 points for that guy. Mm-hmm. All right. So we obviously need a third choice here. Um, I'm if I'm kind of guessing where you're going here. Um, we've talked about using Demon Forge here. Now I can only use Demon Forge on one unit a turn. Um, are we going to add another Demon Engine here, or are we going to kind of look to, at something else? So we have a couple of options for heavy supports, though really what I'm thinking based off of the drive that our list has is a Mauler Fiend would be a good choice, uh, mostly because, it again, it's a fast, close combat option that packs a peck of a wallop. Uh, And because our entire army is focusing very much on sort of crossing the table Bringing something like a Predator or a Forge Fiend, it doesn't really mesh well with the army in general. So I was thinking a Mauler Fiend. Uh, One, it gives us a second target for Demon Forge if the Defiler goes down early. Yeah. And even without uh, the Mauler Fiend, if you get Aramon up close to the Mauler Fiend, the Defiler, really, you want him up close to all the entire army. You get to reroll once to hit anyways. And actually... um thinking about that for a second when, when I led into this, I was thinking, well, geez, I can only demon forge on one guy, but that's only in each phase. So Correct. if our defiler is set up for shooting, I can demon forge on him. If I need to, I don't have to, I can, I can hold my, my points at, uh, you know, conservatively, or I could spend them, but you've given me options now where I can use them in the shooting phase. Or now if I add the Mauler fiend, I can use them in the uh, assault phase as well. Correct. I assume we want to probably go the Lasher Tendril route with the Molar Fiend, correct? Uh, yes, because of the, ex- the extra attacks means that if he does get con- con- combat with something that's sort of lighter, he can eventually fight his way out much faster. And even the profile of minus two and two damage on his mm-hmm. attacks is not bad at all. And if you yeah. do need to fight something big, he's also got um, his fists, which are minus three and three, and it's strength times two. So he's going to be hitting at about strength 12 yes. uh, when he hits stuff. So you're, you've got options against vehicles, and the Lasher Tendrils kind of give you that counter option against uh, more hordy 
uh, type things. Yeah, because with the Elastic Tendrils, you get 10 attacks um, yeah. at strength, well, strength 6 or higher with AP2 or better. Which That's is pretty good. Stellar. That's pretty good, yeah. Okay, so we've got, we've got our uh, spearhead filled out, and it sounds like we want to throw Aramon in there. Um, yes. I guess the only question is, do we put him on a disc? Um, so we don't have a Rhino to hide him in. So I think the disc is the better option. Um, again, it lets them keep up with the other sorcerers and the rest of the army. Makes sense because we're moving across the field pretty quickly. Yes. All right. So, so with Aramon, we are just broaching the 1500 point marker here, just coming up on 1600 points. Excellent. We have we are sitting at a total of about nine uh, strata, uh, stratagems when you consider the base three that you start with. We get one from mm -hmm. our spearhead. We get five from our battalion. So where are we going from here? So what I think the last 500 points should be spent on would probably be another battalion if we can afford it. Okay. With and I talked bad about them earlier. However, uh, <laughs> we might have they to are the cheapest unit. Uh, three units of cultists and uh, just 10 men with a... Uh, I guess I would give them the heavy stubber to let them apply a little damage. Oh, okay. Let's do that then. So and then... Uh, yeah, it's only two points more. Yeah. <laughs> That's not bad. Not bad when you think about it. Okay, so we've got a battalion started now. We've got three cultist units in there. Uh, we've got one stubber in there. Uh, the rest have auto guns. Yep. Uh, so what else are we thinking here? We got to get some a uh, couple more HQs. We've got about three hundred points to work with. All right. So I'm thinking we'll get one uh, last big threat. We'll take a demon prince. Ooh. And are we? We're putting That's wings it. on him. I take it. Yep, he's going to be a flappy, flappy demon prince with his wings. And Malefic and Talons, I would imagine. Malefic Talons are the best choice here. Because uh, Malefic Talons give you three extra attacks, so that's seven attacks total. Right. And he's a badass psyker, four invuln save. It gives you more reroll hit rolls. It's just really a very solid option if you have the points to splurge on him. And the other thing that's really great is he actually opens up now the Zinch, uh, um Discipline uh, for psychic powers for us. It does. So things like Gaze of Fate, which if you're thinking about rerolling charges and your Mauler Fiend goes down, Gaze of mm -hmm. Fate is such a, a, a great utility spell that um, if you understand the, the, the ruling is getting more prolific now for, for folks to understand it, but to just kind of, you know, harp on it again, it's a dice roll. So a 2d6 is your charge. Um, you can use Gaze of Fate to re-roll both. And if you have a command re-roll, uh, you can re-roll just one of them if you need to. Uh, so you kind of you kind of have psychic options to be your backup plan in a way um, if you need, uh, or just use your um, use your Mauler or your Mutalith Vortex Beast to, uh, uh, to, to re-roll your charges if he's still standing. Yeah, and of course the the really rerolls at all is a stellar mechanic that Thousand Suns can really take advantage of, and so and, yeah, power. and he has that same reroll one aura built in as well, so he's mm -hmm. going to be a great addition there. So that leaves us with what about 170, 180? 
Uh, we are at 1,880 points, so we are actually only at uh, 120, 119, 119 hmm. points. So you're cutting a little close. We are. Um, exalted Sorcerer is what, 140 now? It's 120 if 120. he's on foot. Yep. But right, like you so... said, being on, being, uh, you know, on a disc or even having a jump pack is going to take our guys up. I would yeah. like to propose another option. Of Shoot. something we haven't added yet. Uh, there's the Sorcerer and Terminator armor. Yes, that was the other thing I was thinking. Because you can deep strike for free. Exactly. And so one way we can get around this movement, uh, the, the movement issue where our army is going to be very aggressive and, and run forward very quickly. Um, the Terminator, uh, the, the Sorcerer and Terminator armor, he came down in points quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Quite a lot. Now, we might have to find some points for his great familiar that he has. Um, we're probably going to have to find about three points is what it looks like uh, to, to fit that in, but I'm pretty sure we can we can look at some stuff here and, and maybe be able to make that work. Yeah, but a couple of things striking them in. Yeah, deep striking them in gives us the uh, gives us a great utility there to just get around having to worry about that. And, um, and he can pretty much just go where he needs to go. Um, and it's a free deep strike. Yeah, so, so I would say company, uh, the Zangor's deep striking. There you go. You don't have to spend three com- command points. You can just spend put spend one for the Zangors and put the Terminator in. Mm-hmm. So I would say uh, we drop the um, heavy stubbers off the cultists. Take the sorcerer with Terminator armor. Add a, give him a familiar, and uh, that should okay. put us a pretty good spot. Yeah, let's do that right now. So we actually can leave a stubber in one squad if we want to. Um, and that brings us up to enough points to do it uh, by taking about a two, and that buys our familiar there. Yeah. And there we go. So where we sit right now is 1,999 points. We have two battalions. We have a Demon Prince with wings and a Sorcerer and Terminator armor. We have three squads of cultists. Uh, We threw a a heavy stubber into one of the squads. Um, We then have a second battalion that has two sorcerers, both with jump packs. Um, we have two squads of rubric marines. We put a flamer into each squad. We then have two squads, two big squads of Zangors. Uh, both are maxed out at 30, uh, 30 Zangors each, uh, and both have Brighthorns. Uh, mm-hmm. We then have a Chaos Rhino thrown in there. And in addition, we have a spearhead where we took Aramon on a disc, along with a Defiler, a Mollerfiend, and a Mutilith Vortex Beast. And that is our army. So this is kind of interesting, Mike. So let's talk about kind of how we would play this. Um, so I'm lining up. Let's let's take two scenarios. We'll start with the easy one. We're we're playing Dawn of War, or we've redrawn Dawn of War, which means we have about a 48, uh, 48 inch, uh, you know, within a 48 inch zone. We're within 48 inches of the enemy when we yes. start the game. So. Let's say I've drawn Admech. Mm-hmm. Let's take Admech. Admech's set up with a gun line. He's got Arnegard Doomcrawlers. He's got some Rangers with those uh, sniper rifles. He's got, um, uh, let's say he's got some Castellan robots. Um, and then maybe he's got some Catafron destroyers or maybe even some Catafron uh, breachers that are up there. Um, yeah. and, and he's got enough stuff to really put a hurt on you, you know, from a shooting standpoint. How are we gonna play this? So the uh, if you're really obviously you're hoping to go first, 
But uh, if that doesn't happen, it doesn't really change things. This means you'll have a few few lower ah, words, a few fewer tools to work with. But uh, so obviously, turn one, you're going to dark matter crystal your uh, a thirty man block of Zengors up the table nine inches away. Which means uh, I've deployed. I've well, if we go, if we just take a step back to deployment. I'm probably going to be putting one on the table so I can dark matter them. Yeah, so you have a deep strike in reserve. And then you have a Terminator and Sorcerer in reserve. Everything else deployed fairly aggressively on the table. Uh, so assuming they're a gunline admic army, which is what most admic players will do, uh, you'll effectively need to cr- cross the table and perhaps even go beyond the 24 inches of separation that's normally there. Which means you need to move quick. Uh, so you'll want to deploy your sorcerer with warp time next to the one other unit to warp time that unit forward. I would suggest in this case perhaps uh, either the the Mutalith Vortex Beast or the Mauler Fiend. The reason being is that the both of those, the Mutalith Vortex Beast wants to stay close to the Zengors to give them buffs and throw mortal wounds onto the enemy. Whereas the Mollerfiend just wants to close anyways because all he does is close attack and close combat. So then Dark Matter Crystal turn. And if I think about it real quick with the Mutalith there, uh, maybe one of the things I can do is if I've got the Mutalith deployed very aggressively, um, Mm -hmm. I can advance him and see how far he goes. Yeah. If we're we're saying I'm 12, let's say we have to work within 48 inches. Mm -hmm. I have I have 12 inches for my deployment. So I can be, I basically have just taken 12 inches off of that. Now we're down to 36. Mm-hmm. I can move eight and then I can advance anywhere between say uh, probably 10 to somewhere around 14 is what I'm going to do for my advance. So if I figure an average of 12 is probably where I'll, I'll land with my advance roll on them. Yes. That's now bringing it down to 24 inches. Mm-hmm. The next thing that's really interesting is that his power extends nine inches, which means that's bought almost another 12 inches off of that as well. So that yeah. now I'm actually talking about 16 inches uh, or fit or yeah, 16, 15 inches. Sorry. I'm really good at math. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I can, what I can do is I just have to have one guy in my Zangor squad nine inches away from the Mauler Fiend. And so if we're talking only 15 inches, that's pretty easy to wake work. Um, if, yeah. I, if I've got to basically have the rest of that, that whole 48 inches that we've been coming down off of. So I might even have be able to have the Mauler Fiend give my guys buffs and reroll charges without even having to really have, you know, psychic powers or anything. So it almost seems like if I start with the Vortex Beast and I advance him, I can kind of then figure out how the, how the rest of my strategy for the turn plays out if I'm looking at it from a standpoint of getting my guys into their army. Yeah, especially because the Dark Matter Crystal, unlike most abilities of its type, triggers at the end of the movement phase, which gives you this luxury of being able to sort of pick and choose how you want to do things. So the important and thing then important there thing. is to make sure when you're deploying your Mauler Fiend, don't screen them off, just put them up front you know, he if he gets into combat, that's okay. He likes to do that. Um, yeah. But you you want to have him up front so you don't have to create a lane or anything like that for him to 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 get in there. I know I've I've done that to myself in the past. Just 
just not even thinking about my deployment or anything like that. But you just yeah. put, them, put them up front. It's also probably okay to put them put them up front and let your opponent deploy according to where he is. Uh, you, you put them up there early so that they throw stuff down, and that mm -hmm. gives you an idea of where you put your Zangors in yeah. in a reaction to that. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, do I want to start putting my Zangors onto the table, hiding them from getting shot, um, or is it probably more important to screen off? Um, well, if I'm playing a gun line, that probably answering myself there. Yeah, so I guess gun line you don't have to screen because generally speaking, unless they're doing something similar to what you're doing, they're not gonna have anything that's gonna tie prevent you need necessarily to screen. Um, really you your cultists will be your screens. Um, the thing is they actually are expendable. Um, whereas the Zangors have a job to do. Um, really the cultists are there much like their uh, emperor loving guard brethren to generate you five extra command points for you to do all manner of dark and sneaky tricks if i need something to just kind of sit on an objective mm -hmm. um if i if i happen to be playing itc missions the cultists are kind of there for that role right? yeah so the cultists are there to cover. be cheap objective holders whereas the rubrics are there to they can take an objective but then they also they're so tough your opponent actually has to use valuable fire to knock them off of an objective right. and so for objective games that have objectives that are sort of back in your deployment zone and some from the middle the cultists would take the one in your deployment zone whereas the rubric should move up and take the ones in the middle because they can actually take the fire now do i want to wait before i jump my rubrics out of the rhino for a little bit maybe maybe a turn or two to to just make sure that they're they're kind of covered a bit so i would say play that by ear um in fact it just sort of depends on what the mission is um I, because your army is playing so aggressive, I would play the rubrics fairly aggressive themselves. But the sort of the understanding there is that their job, the reason why we brought them is to take objectives because the Zangors are busy sort of tanking the enemy army. Um, the cultists, of course, are there, but you, we can't rely on them. Um, they'll, they'll probably die the first time anything so much as look at that looks at them. Um, so it depends on what your missions are. So for instance, if it's a mission where the longer you hold objectives, the more points you get, jump those rubrics out ASAP to get the objective points. But if it's something where, well, you have to hold at the end of the game, well then yeah, hide them, sort of use the rhino to full effect and don't risk losing them early to something dumb. Yeah. Or maybe drop one squad off at an objective and then yeah. carry on with the, with the rhino. Because mm -hmm. we also talked about warp flame gargoyles and that. Yeah. Know, we want to we want to use our rhino effectively. It's perfectly okay to go charge stuff um, if mm -hmm. it, if it's part of our strategy to use warp flame gargoyles um, and you know get in and tie stuff up. You can I mean a, a rhino is even though it has uh, t it's t seven and a three up save. You can even look at stuff like you know um, Lehman Russes and stuff like that. And all you have to do is touch a Lehman Russ, and then they're kind of in trouble, right? Yeah, and a uh, Rhino is big enough to easily touch multiple units. And so, exactly. for instance, what you can do if you're worried about Overwatch is after the Rhino's dropped off its units, just charge it forward into something, take some of the Overwatch off of your other more valuable charging units in order to uh, apply more damage. And, of course, it locks them in combat, so it's just good. So, turn one, um, the other thing is your charge phase is very important. So as opposed to going for the gust to like charge everything really charge one thing and just tap it. So you get one model within uh, an inch of the charging target. And then 
every other model, what you're wanting to do is spread them out as much as possible as a net and pile into as many different units as possible. Most gunline armies aren't going to have a strong counter assault unit because there's as much as they're valuable. Most players are not going to think to buy them because it means there's less of their army shooting. And so that you don't have much of a counter attack threat. So if you can tie up a quarter or two, even half or three quarters of the opponent's army, depending on how, if they castle hard, you could even get the entire thing with 30 Zengors. You, can get a mass as effectively 60 inches of, of coverage that's the entire table and uh, so then that first wave i mean i would i would almost think that if i'm playing this army that first wave its job is just to get in and survive turn one in combat mm-hmm. um, so i choose what i pile into accordingly yes um, but but if it if it survives turn one i kind of feel like it's done its job because Hey, waiting in reserve. Here comes here comes round two. Here comes round two, and then every all of the, your other charges are well, charge units are going to be in range around round two as well. That's right. And so, it, round two is effectively the most valuable turn for you because that's when you apply almost your entire army into damage. Which where your where valid. your vortex beast can even help help out. Where now you're looking at that squad, that original thirty. If they're still alive, I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, smart player is probably going to be able to deal with them and, and take them off the table. I would almost assume that or count on them being gone uh, tr- by the end of turn two. Um, but if they're still there, you have the ability to buff them to, to have them fight first. Um, yeah. You know, just things like that, or even, you know, put Weaver of Fates or Glamour's each. If there's enough of them left over, you know, like 15, 20 of them or so, you can make that unit stubborn enough to get rid of. Um, that they're now going to have to commit their their attacks elsewhere, but you've you've divided up their 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 force where now they're not focus firing your stuff off the table. Yeah, which with your sorcerers having an 18 inch movement, uh, effective eight oh, between right. 12, 13 and 18 inch movement. And you should you, you should can be very easily. Yeah, you should almost always advance them because again they don't have guns that are worth shooting. Uh, you can will definitely be in range for glamour of Zinch and weaver of fates, which is the only viable targets for those. Um, early in the game, those are the units you want to hit it with, because that is amazing. Yes, uh, it is. minus one to hit in a four-up invuln save is nothing to scoff at. No, not at all. And the the thing that's so powerful about that minus one to hit is that when you think about the sequence of what happens, you have to you have to have hits resolve, then wounds resolve, um, and you you go down the chain of everything that's there. Minus one to hit, it, it affects everything everything in the entire sequence because it's it's mm-hmm. shaving attacks off which means it's shaving wounds off and and so on and so forth whereas your invuln save is really just shaving wounds off at the very end yeah, yeah. so i th- that leads us into turn two which as i mentioned is your, probably your most vital turn because it really if you can apply a, your entire army correctly turn two you will, will have won the game at that point um, because it turned to that's whenever your 30 man Zengors come in, your Terminator Sorcerer comes in, hopefully your Zengor, Helbrut, and uh, no, Defiler and uh, Mauler Fiend will have crossed the table and made it into close combat as well. It's just devastating if you can hit with that. And most shooting armies won't have a way to deal with that effectively because even if they have screens, unless they're going to have to castle very hard and screen very well 
to keep your Zengors out. And even if they do keep your Zengors out, the screen's gone by turn at the end of turn one. There's right. no screen I can think of that will hold off that many attacks. So they have to choose, are they going to kill the Zengors or are they going to kill your, your big stuff coming in behind them? Yeah, and even the Zengors, if they don't deal with them, are absolutely deadly because you can give them plus one to hit off of the um, prescience. Yep. You can give them plus one to wound off of um, the uh, veterans, the long war. Yep. They defensive buffs. It's just absolutely ridiculous how much damage they can put out with good AP and actually pretty decent strength as well. Yeah. So. Well, that kind of that kind of gives us a good answer there. I can kind of see how from there it's then just kind of you could take this list, and if you you know if you're you're in your local meta, you know going on the, in on the weekends, and you're facing you know your your typical Tau player who just likes to line up, not really worry about what what everybody else brings, and just laughs with all their drones and the number of shots mm -hmm. that they put out. Well, you know this army this army can handle that. I can I can see it right now. You have the ability to just get over, put them in a box, just surround their army, and just get into them and just annihilate everything that's there. Yeah, I would I would say that you do probably want to um, get smart about how you do your charges and mm -hmm. how you how you think about limiting Overwatch things you can do like charging through walls with your Zangors if you can, um, yeah. or like Mike was talking about taking a Rhino, let it eat the, let let it eat the Overwatch for you. Um, there's even another trick. Um, I, I don't want to give away too much here, but there is an interview that I have coming up uh, with Justin Curtis that's coming out here soon. Um, at, the, at the time of recording this, uh, that interview might already have been released. Uh, so basically what he talks about is the fact that the flesh change stratagem, where you can turn your sorcerer into a chaos spawn, you have the ability to effectively cancel out overwatch with it because the effective range of flesh change with the chaos spawn is eight and a half inches because the chaos spawn comes on a i think it's a 52 millimeter base uh, it's, it's a big base that it comes on and yeah. because you have to place the spawn within six inches of where the sorcerer was um, if you maximize that it's essentially eight and a half inches which means um, if you're, you know, really dire, uh, you can take that Sorcerer and Terminator armor, bring them down. Um, you know, if, if it's part of your strategy and you know, you know, you're facing Tau or, or someone who's, or maybe Guard and you know they're going to overwatch at normal ballistic skill and it's going to completely annihilate you, uh, maybe it's worth sacrificing uh, one of your, your assets for it if you know that that's going to win you the game. Um, where you, you can bring your Terminator Sorcerer down nine inches away, um, put the buffs on the Zangors, make him useful, and then pop that Chaos Spawn at the, at the start of the charge phase, put it within 12 of that unit, or put it within one inch because it's eight and a half inches. Mm -hmm. You now have locked them up, um, which means you can charge that unit and pile into his other units. Um, so remember, the goal is not to kill. The goal is to knock them off their base. You need them to be falling back and shooting. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Some of their stuff is going to be able to fall back and shoot. Most of their stuff is not. And yes. so you, you're basically, as, as Mike was saying, you're charging that unit that's locked in combat. Don't declare your charge against everything. Just that one unit. It's okay mm -hmm. that you can't swing into those other things, but you can pile into them. 
So yes. that means when you make your charge, you you don't have to have every unit charge straight at the at the unit that you declared. You can actually charge other units, and then after you have uh, finished your charge, because you end up one inch within one inch of your declared unit, you then pile in three inches, and that gets you within one inch of the other units you want to lock up. Go ahead and be prepared to take the the counterattack, but chances are against those gunline units, you're not too worried about that. Um, yeah. And again, you can use your sorcerer, get his powers off, buff your unit, make him four up in bomb, make a minus one to hit, um, you know, do stuff like that to to take the edge of that off. Uh, and then you've got them in that uh, locked into combat. And that can actually be something that a lot of people aren't even expecting. Yeah, because I've, as someone who plays almost nothing but aggressive armies like this, let me tell you, none, most gunline players have no idea how to counter a tactic like this because it never happens to them. Um, and so it, the, you very much have to change how you play if you're going to sort of defend against this, which a lot of people aren't comfortable with. Um, and so especially in the, your local metas, this type of army will very much, not only it's a lot of fun to play, but um, it'll definitely cause some waves. Yeah, the great thing about this is you've got a lot of diversity in the list. You've got demon princes, you've got a sorcerer and terminator armor, you've got these jump pack sorcerers, you've mm -hmm. got cultists, zangors. We've got rubric marines in there. I mean, we are officially a thousand suns list. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, and then we've got a good smattering of, you know, a defiler, a model fiend, a mutilate vortex beast. Like you've got a good uh, diversity of these models from the codex. And what's great is we just arrived at that looking at these different options and designing towards this, um, this goal of being able to get across the field fast, get into them and have these things just have mechanics that can work. Okay. You take the Zanglers out. I have, you know, these big guys behind it that'll work. Um, yeah. Hey, you know what? It's possible the dice fail you. And, and that's going to happen. Like if all you're doing is rolling ones for your saves or you fail your charges, you know, guys, it happens. You just take take it as that wasn't a bad decision you made. That's just the dice failed. So, yeah. you know, just try not to let that discourage you when you're running these lists and getting really aggressive with them and trying to get into to the other armies. So these kind of things happen. So there are actually some other things that just even looking at the list, the this list mushes very well with itself. Um, so if you look at the um, what the Demon Prince offers with its uh, discipline of Zinch, so the big winner here, of course, is Gaze of Fate. Number three is just the best. But the uh, you have a plethora of options here that are very good. One boot of change has actually has a bunch of targets here. So all yeah. of your sorcerers are demons. Obviously your demon prince is a demon. Yeah. Uh, your mutant with vortex beast, I believe is also a demon. And so is the defiler and the mauler fiend. And so those are good options there. Cause plus one attack is always helpful. Plus one toughness is actually stellar here. Cause that makes your uh, demon engines and the mutant toughness eight, which is as yeah. tough as a knight. Well, unfortunately there is, there's one caveat caveat. The mutant vortex beast is not a demon. Oh, that is disappointing. Makes no sense. It doesn't. But, uh, it's a monster. It is. If that counts, but it, it is not a demon. Yeah. Um, so putting Aramon, that... Aramon's a demon, and our demon prince is a demon, but that's... The the demon engines we have, the Defiler yeah. and the Mullerfiend, are the only two that'll, that'll really yeah. kind of fall into that. Um, but Bolt of Change is actually very useful for um, sniping out characters, mostly because it 
if you have a character who's low on wounds, snipe them and you get a free... Uh, actually, is it free for the Chaos Boniface? I don't think it is, actually. Uh, no, not it. for that. For, because, you know, whatever, they just decided that Demons of Zinch shouldn't be <laughs> for free. So. Yeah, but it does snipe a character for a D3 wounds. And it's very it's very true. And the other thing that's nice is um, Bolt of Change uh, does not have to... Um, uh, sorry, I'm confusing that with Gift of Chaos. But Gift of Chaos is also another good way that you can snipe a character uh, with a mm-hmm. lot of wounds, um, especially like your 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 T4 and below, um, you know, like your Space Marines and stuff like that. Uh, you can use a command reroll to give you a second shot at beating that toughness roll. But uh, it's D3 plus three mortal wounds to something. That's a lot. I mean, yeah. you're you're at you're at least doing four. Uh, you're possibly doing six wounds which means if you take like your typical four wound HQs that most space Marine armies get, they're guarantees he's going to die. Yeah. Yep. But you also don't have to target characters with that. Uh, Yeah. Or sorry. uh, Yeah. You don't have to target characters. You can target units, Mm -hmm. Uh, but you get a free, uh, you do get a, I believe it's a free cast one. Uh, It doesn't specify it's free. No, you're right. Because it has to say that in the power. Right. It does. So then your personal favorite, Treason of Zinch, off of the <laughs> Excellent. It actually synergizes fairly well with the Mutalith with its minus one leadership ability. Yes, it does. Uh, Flickering Flames is solid. Um, well, we're good it, with your Defiler, right? You get a knife course. or something. Yeah. yeah, because it adds one to the wounds with its shooting weapons, which the Defiler has tons of guns. There you That's, go. That synergizes very well with it. And then Infernal Gateway is, of course, also just very good for what it does it does a lot although i will say on this the the hard part about this is just the fact that it's it's targeted like smite um it's not Mm -hmm. quite as long and it basically has to do with your positioning so it's kind of one of those things where if you do it right it can be really good but it's a positioning thing where you really got to get it. Uh, well, so right. Infernal Gateway is very good um, in the scenario where I'm thinking where your opponent has castled up. Effectively, everything is oh, very close sure. to each other. Just throwing Gaze of Fate there because you, as a Thousand Suns, you get the extra range. Um, just deal mortal wounds to everything his, in his army because he's a yeah. dum-dum. <laughs> What's wrong with castling, man? You know what? I hate castling. It's a boring way to play, and this list is specifically designed to mess with that. It is an army bred to defeat castles. It is. Perturabo would be proud. (laughs) Well, so one of the things we alluded to was that there might be some other options we can throw in here, right? Yes. We've got Forge World options. We've got demons. Um, Why don't, Mike, if, if you're if you want to take the lead on this, why don't you talk a little bit about, okay, if we're going to bring in demons, what are we going to take out to bring in some of the demons? So if we were going to bring in demons, uh, obviously the first choice to take out would be the second battalion with the cultists. Uh, the reason being, of course, the fact that you can just get your demon prints with the demon battalion, um, which demons have excellent choices there for troops. Uh, I love pink horrors. They've taken a bit of a hit. Uh, since the edition started. Um, but uh, they have good shooting attacks. They are psychers. They're fairly tough with their four up and one safe. And um, it's from though they are a little more expensive than the cultists are. So you'd likely have to also either 
trim down your other battalion only take one squad of rubrics or something thereabouts or potentially fold in portions of your uh, spearhead into your first battalion in order to actually make enough points to really get the most out of your demon allies. Um, big winners for demons, though, uh, especially if we're going with a the Zinch theme, which if you're playing Thousand Suns, you really should. Otherwise, you're a double heretic. Uh, is to take my personal favorite, Flamers. They are giant pillow sacks full of warp fire. Uh, the big thing here, though, is that they can deep strike in with the demon stratagem and uh, shoot 12-inch AP-1 flamer pistols at everything forever. Um, though there is actually another option here. If you, for instance, have extra points left over whenever you've made your list and you don't really have a good choice for it, Leave those lists in reserve. Oh, those points in reserve. Uh, you can summon in any of the Zinch demons with any of your characters, which is Thousand Suns. You have lots of those uh, using the Demonic Ritual, which uh, Flamers are power level four. So even one or even one Dicena is actually pretty reliable. They got a 50-50 odd there. Um, Screamers are also pretty solid, though I don't think they're necessarily as good as they were in previous editions. Mostly because they're no jet bikes no longer move 40 freaking inches a turn. But uh, the main thing there is that they move over a unit, which they can move up to 20 inches a turn. They can do mortal wounds to them for each screamer they move over the unit. So strength 6, AP minus 3, damage 2. They're actually a pretty solid choice. A unit of 3 screamers can pump out up to what, nine, 18 wounds a turn, AP minus 2 which is pretty solid versus it'll kill almost any vehicle in the game. That's not a super heavy. Yeah. Yeah. I've used them against uh, quite a few, quite a few different things. Actually the army that I found that screamers work really good against is uh, actually Tau. Uh, yes. Battle suits. And you can go get your screamers into combat with the battle suits and they do a great job uh, cutting them down. Yeah. So I think if you're thinking, if you want another battalion, uh, effectively, I would, that's a solid option though. If really I'm looking at it, you have two real options here. One is you could pull out the battalion. Effectively, you'd lose those five command points and bring a Vang, not Vanguard, uh, Outrider Detachment instead with Screamers. Um, if you want to be even faster, effectively, this is if your meta is very armor heavy, the Screamers are an excellent choice there because of, they move up to 22 inches a turn and are pretty solid in close combat. they got two wounds apiece, toughness four, strength six, AP minus three, so they're wounding most things on fives. So any armor target, really, on fives. Um, but my actual favorite option here is if we collapse the other battalion down, effectively, I would still keep the Demon Prince because of just how good he is and the fact that he synergizes with the Flamers is... Just leave those points in your list and summon flamers. Um, this effectively, if you're up against other hordes, uh, summoning in flamers is probably one of your most efficient options because yeah. at four power a piece for a unit of three, that's three flamers that wound on fours at AP minus one. And if you're up against a army where you need to hold objectives and advance forward, well, then you can still summon in pink horrors or blue horrors or pink, even brimstones mm -hmm. if you're really cheap you, to hold your objectives. 
if you need some some heavier vehicle firepower, you have exalted flamers, which basically yeah. you bring it in, they just kind of act like blast cannons, basically. Or if you really, really want to bring in something just big, you could even summon a soul grinder with Mark of Zinch. Because <laughs> why not? Why not? Why not, right? So don't not do that. Like... That's actually a terrible option. File <laughs> section. Not to file soul grinder. Soul grinder. Like kind of struggling. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully you'll get some updates soon. Right? I hope so. I've got three. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I am sorry. Uh, yeah. I guess the um, uh, you know the thing with the um, uh, summoning that that always I liked was the fact that it's not something I have to drop. Um, I'm yes. Very. I probably come back to this quite often, but I'm very cognizant of how many drops my army has, uh, mm -hmm. just because the formats I tend to play in, and I have to think through. Am I going to deploy my army first? Am I am I going to get that plus one to go first? That kind of scenario. So um, yeah. that factors in a lot for a lot of the lists that I built. So and so someone obviously helps with that. It also lets you sort of tailor your list against whatever you're fighting against, which is also mm -hmm. very very useful, uh, especially in more competitive formats. So those are some good options from the um, the Zinch side. Um, if we were to talk about Forge World, I think I have some some suggestions here because I, I tend to play a lot of these guys in my lists, um, and I've I've practiced with a you know or or tested a bunch of these different things, especially with uh, Thousand Suns as a as an alternative. Um, if I was looking at this list, I would probably start. Um, where, where I'm going to go, I'll just start there and then talk about some of the units and why I wouldn't go there. Yeah. Um, th the first thing I'm actually, you're probably not going to like this, but the first thing I'm going to do is I'm actually going to take the Defiler out. Yeah. And I'm going to replace it with a shooty option. Um, mm -hmm. To get the points for what I need, uh, I'm actually going to reduce both of the Zangor squads to 25 man squads. I still think I'm going to get pretty good effectiveness out of them. Um, yeah. They'll do pretty much, I'm, I'm basically losing 10 Zangors. Um, to, to help pay for this. Uh, but what I'm going to bring in is a Hellforge Scorpius. Um, I think this is one of the most underrated units available from Forge World that Chaos can take right now. Um, it can fire basically 63 shots, uh, hitting uh, without line of sight, and you're hitting on threes. Um, you're pretty much going to wound anything you're shooting at on threes, maybe twos. Um, you're going to be doing minus two, dam or minus two AP and two damage apiece. So you can fire it at vehicles. You can fire it at tough units. Um, it's really good against custodies because custodies a lot of times have the two up armor save and four up invulns. Uh, guess what? You've got the perfect stat to just push them onto their invuln saves. Um, and anything that does get through those two damage weapons, they stack up quick, pretty quick. Um, yeah. The other thing I think that the Scorpius counters very strongly are Yunari armies uh, yes. where they have dark reapers that like to soul burst. Uh, what they like to do is be able to use soul burst and then fire and fade. And that basically all they do is they hop off, they shoot at you, and then they hop back down after they're done shooting you like four or five, whatever times. Mm -hmm. Scorpius is the perfect counter because it ignores line of sight. It's wounding them on twos. It's, um, you know, enough AP to, to, to get stuff through. It will take them out. Yes. Uh, so I think that kind of gives you a good balance counter there to the stuff that likes to hide. Um, mm -hmm. I also 
uh, to, to make that work. I'm also, I'm a little bit point shy there from, uh, you know, being, being where we want to be. So I'm just throwing an icon of flame in on both of those Angor squads because I'm, yeah. I was, I was at about 1988 and like you were saying, that's kind of where you're in that gray zone where it's like 10 points. Um, yeah. Why don't we throw an icon of flame in there so that when our, when our Zangors are in there, we'll get some mortal wounds. Now yeah. that's really from a list concept and, and pulling that stuff in, that's really the only change that I think looking at this without getting, uh, I think if you start bringing other stuff in, you're, you're kind of straying from the concept. I, I think all this really does is it just puts a, uh, a good fire base in the back that can add, um, uh, it, it puts pressure on them uh, because they have to be able to deal with it. And a lot of times what you do is you can hide the Scorpius. So it's not mm -hmm. even seen, you can put it into cover. Uh, you're going to get a cover save. So you effectively have a two up save on the thing. Um, as long as you can get it, you know, 100% into the ruins, um, then you get that save. So um, I think what, what's great about that is that it just, again, it gives you that balance or that counter against some of those armies that like to have, that have some mechanics that could make the effectiveness of your army drop off pretty quick. Dark Reapers are the first thing that just come to mind there. It's just mm -hmm. like nightmares against those guys. Yeah, but even things like... Um a wyvern or a basilisk the scorpius can open up a world of hurt on them because they're very low toughness for an imperial guard right. vehicle that's, and that's absolutely right. i would actually suggest if you're going to go with the scorpius option to try to take two of them um drop another option out of your spearhead detachment yeah. uh, mostly because it gives you um some level of uh, redundancy but also it well, more shooting is always useful in that capacity. To make something like that work, I think we're we're basically at a point where we're going to have to cut into that other battalion. Uh, yes, we're talking the, the the downside to the Scorpius is it's two hundred and seventeen points. Um, that is expensive, but it is army, very good. I, that is true. That is true. And my army, I run two of them. Um, the other thing that's bad about the Scorpius is you can't heal it. Um, mm. Unfortunately, their rule for for wounds uh means that they can only regain wounds through eating dudes so you know ha on, on one hand you you typically have to put something back there for the effectiveness of them like in my other army where i run two i have to have an exalted sorcerer because look i've invested 400 points in these things i should have something back there to put throw prescience on them and reroll wounds and like that's more you're now making that more of your core to the army and in this it's it's supplementing what you have. It's not the core. Yeah. It's it can sit back there on its own and just shoot whatever you want. Um, I think there's other options here that I think some people would probably start to look at. Uh, one of them uh, that I know a lot of people go towards are the Contemptor Dreadnoughts. Um, yeah. But they're not bad. They're not bad for their points. Uh, 138 points, and you're putting one on there with two two butcher cannons. Here's the problem with those guys. First of all, they have the same problem that the Scorpius has and that you can't heal them. Uh, they have that Hellforge rule. Um, it's just one of those downsides of what's there uh, or what their rules are. You can prescience them. You can use Biosmos machines on them. You have some things you can use with them, but they hit on twos. I mean, in my Dreadnought army, I took the LVO. I, I really didn't need to use that stuff at all. Uh, yeah. they, they pretty much just did their thing and just re ran around shooting whatever they felt like. Um, the other thing I see people do is they'll look at the chaos decimators with soul burners. They'll look at the contemptors with soul burners. 
Um, I think that the point investment you put into those things and the survivability of them outweighs the output that you get from a mortal wound standpoint. If I do take soul burners, I tend to throw them on the decimators just so that I can, um, I can get a good amount of uh, shooting output from it. Yeah. And I can throw something like prescience on them and really get a good amount of mortal, mortal wounds out of just one of them versus, you know, two contemptors to get the same number of um, soul burner shots. But again, I think the soul burners are just, they price themselves out of the market. Um, <clears throat> the other options like the predator and the Sakaran, um, again, they're, they're not much better than what you have. Sakaran, when you start loading it up, you're almost getting to 200 points. I love the gun. I love the gun on the Sakaran. I just don't like the points, and they don't have much survivability. They move quick, but mm -hmm. again, that we talked about the Predator in the army, and and I get that the Hellforge Predator has, you know, has a cool flamer on it, um, but they just don't they don't fit what we're trying to do here. Um, I would say that if I was taking a Predator in the army, the Hellforged one is the one I would take, and I would probably give it uh, take the one with the um, the really mean flamer that they have. Uh, yeah. Because that thing, that thing is really cool. Um, and I would just load that thing out with flamers and just, you know, go ahead and just get that thing up in their face and have fun. Um, yeah. Side, aside from that, um, you know, most of the other units that are in there um, are just going to be, they're, they're just not going to be from a, from an investment standpoint, if you have the model, great. You probably have fun with it. But from, you know, hey, should I go get one of these? I think that's probably it that, that, because we can't take rapier batteries as mm -hmm. good as they are. Um, we can't take them. So uh, the Scorpius is really the, the one model that stands out in there because it really, it fits into just about any army you want to run. The, the only other thing I give kind of a, a an honorable mention to is the assault drill. Um, <laughs> yeah. Tarek's pattern assault drill. Um, this would be probably a good replacement for the Rhino Yes. Um, and it is the kind of thing where I think you could probably find some points to throw this guy in. You're really only talking about the difference between going from 72 to 134 points. Um, we can find what, 30, 60 points in there. We can find 60 points somewhere um, just yeah. by tweaking some stuff, maybe thinking about taking that um, demon prince. And now we start saying, okay, if I trade that guy out or maybe drop mm -hmm. a Rupert Marin squad or something like that, um, yeah. or just increase the squad that's there. Cause you know, that thing, that thing is just a beast. And now you have just another deep strike option off of it. So, and, and this is just my, for funsies option. And if you take this and you, it doesn't do good, don't blame me. Cause like I said, it's a for funsies option. The gigantic chaos spawn is hilarious. <laughs> I actually tried to buy one and the uh, guys at the Citadel were like, wait, what's that? That's a thing. It's like, yeah, that's a thing. Did you really? I did. Uh, they had no idea what I was talking about. I had to show them. It's like, oh my <laughs> lord! <laughs> so what is it? Is it a? Uh, it's a heavy support. Or... Yeah, it's a heavy support slot. Where is it? Okay. Is this giant gribbly beast that gets bigger and bigger the more you use it? It's ridiculous. I I'm using Battle Scribe here. I don't see it. Giant chaos spawn. I've, I've seen it on their site, but I know what you're talking about. But the, uh, oh, that's funny. It's not in here. Maybe it doesn't, really? doesn't have rules anymore. No, it does. I have the index for it. Let, yeah. me, let me find it. All right. 
Jeopardy music start. I know, right? Indexes. Index. Yes. Is it a demon option? Uh, I don't think so. I remember I wrote a list, a list that included it. Here we are. Forces of Chaos. All right. I'll bet you it's under. It's under Children of the Warp. Giant Chaos Spawn. Yeah, it's it's in the Demon Codex. That's why. That's weird. Yeah, it's Faction Demon. Uh, it can That's be some with, with demonic ritual, though. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So for 150 points, you get this thing. It's only T5. It's t- so it's basically well, double chaos. <laughs> yeah, well, so it's, it's right, a, a T5. Okay, so it starts off with, uh, I think it's the 10 wounds. Yeah, 10 wounds. Uh, it at 10 wounds, it has a movement of 6 plus a d6, strength 6 plus a d3, attacks 6 plus a d3. Uh, hits on force, toughness 5, 10 wounds, leadership 10, 4 up safe. Its attack is strength user, AP minus 1, damage d3, because it's a demon, as a 5 of invulnerable safe. Now, here's the thing about this thing you at the start of each turn, you roll to determine its movement, strength, and attacks. Anytime you roll a 1 or a 6 when rolling your D6 or D3s, it gains a D3 wounds. So technically, technically it could earn up to 9 wounds a turn if you roll either really good or really bad. Uh, this can take it above its 10 wounds starting, and once it reaches 20 wounds, it becomes titanic. <laughs> and um, which at that level, its movement becomes 8 plus a d6, strength 6 plus a d6, and attacks 6 plus a d6. And so it's this giant... So literally, the longer they leave it alone, the meaner it gets. And so this, it's honestly the, the most hilarious distraction card effects. Because it's just... It's, it's ludicrous. It's this giant thing that won't go away. Um, it just gains wounds every turn. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. So again, it's a for funsies option. I won't. Uh, if you're trying to win, don't take it. But if you're just looking for a good time, it's like the Mulev Vortex's beasts derpier brother, and it's it's beautiful. That is awesome. It is, is awesome. awesome. It's actually its attacks aren't bad. Yeah, it, its attacks are solid. It's just it's weird. <laughs> it's, really, it's like weird that it gains D three wounds every time you roll a one or a six. Yeah, like and so that, that happening multiple. Yeah, times. so the funny thing is, at its lowest uh, category, it rolls five d six a turn, and so it could go from one wound to sixteen <laughs> wounds again if you just roll really good or really bad. It's it's just it's hilarious. I love it, oh, and I want to own three of them so I can just make people go wait what. <laughs> and so I think with that, our list building. Session I, is I over. Think that is the best thing to end on. Very. I good. think so. Yeah. Well, with that, guys, uh, I guess you just got to remember that uh, Magnus did nothing wrong. Magnus did nothing wrong. <laughs>